so we've now reached the narration where it says, وَفِي الصَّحِيحِ عَنْ أَنَسْ قَالْ شُجَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَوْمَ أُحُدْ وَكُسِرَتْ رُبَاعِيَّتُهُ فَقَالْ كَيْفَ يُفْلِحْ كَيْفَ يُفْلِحُ قَوْمٌ شَجُّوا نَبِيَّهُمْ فَنَزَلَتْ لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ in this particular narration now, which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, in Sahih Al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, the hadith narrated from Anas radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it says, Shujjah an-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawma uhud. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was injured in his head on the day of Uhud. On the battle of Uhud, the Prophet ﷺ was injured in his head, in his face. This particular injury that occurred to the Prophet ﷺ in his face, in his head, this injury occurred on the day of Uhud. Uhud, the battle of Uhud, as it is known, occurred next to Mount Uhud. The Mount Uhud. جبل يقع في الشمال الشرقي من المدينة حصلت عنده وقعة أحد في السنة التي بعد وقعة بدر. So this battle of Uhud happened a year after the battle of Badr, next to the Mount Uhud, and therefore that's why it is known as Mount Uhud or the Battle of Uhud. فالمشركون تجمعوا وأرادوا الانتصار لأنفسهم. The mushrikeen, they had got together their army and they wanted to uh, gain victory for themselves. وَجَمَعُوا جُنُودًا بِقِيَادَةِ أَبِي سُفْيَانِ بْنُ حَرْبِ And they had gathered an army under the leadership of Abu Sufyan ibn Harb. وَجَاءُوا يُرِيدُونَ الْإِنْتِقَامِ مِنَ الرَّسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَأَصْحَابِهِ And they came wanting to get revenge. They came with this army of theirs under the leadership of Abu Sufyan, wanting to get revenge upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his companions. الذين أصابوهم يوم بدر those companions, the Prophet sallallahu who had defeated them in the battle of Badr. So they now came with this army that they had gathered to seek revenge upon the Muslims. جَاءُوا وَنَزَلُوا عِنْدَ هَذَا الْجَبَلِ So they came and they approached and they camped up. They camped up next to the mount, mountain of Uhud. فَخَرَجَ إِلَيْهِمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِأَصْحَابِهِ الْكِرَامِ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ So the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu along with the muhajireen and the ansar, he took them and they went out to Uhud to where the mushrikeen had come and camped up. The Muslims went to face them there. وَالْتَقَى بِهِمْ فِي هَذَا الْمَكَانِ And so the Prophet ﷺ with the believers, they went 
and they were face to face with the mushrikeen at that place next to Uhud. وَنَظَّمَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الْمُقَاتِلِينَ The Prophet ﷺ then organized his army, his fighters. They were then organized in the particular strategic manner. وَجَعَلَ عَلَى الْجَبَلِ الَّذِي خَلْفَهُمْ جَمَاعًا مِنَ الرُّمَاهِ يَحْمُونَ ظُهُورَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And he placed, the Prophet ﷺ placed a group of them, archers on the small mountain that was behind them. So that they could cover them from behind. That they could cover them with their archery, with their bows and arrows. For any enemy coming from the behind, they could cover that angle and protect them from behind. So he placed a group of them, archers on top of the mountain, uh, in order to protect them. وَدَارَةِ الْمَعْرَكَةِ And so the battle it then ensued. The battle then occurred. وَالرُّمَاهِ عَلَى الْجَبَلِ يَحْرُسُونَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ and the archers were on the mountain, protecting the Muslims from above, in case any enemies came from this side or from that side. وَصَارَ النُّصْرُ فِي الْأَوَّلِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ لَمَّا كَانُوا يَمْشُونَ عَلَى خُطَّةِ لَمَّا كَانُوا يَمْشُونَ عَلَى خُطَّةِ الرَّسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So initially, the Muslims, they were victorious. Initially, they were victorious. And they had defeated the kuffar. And that was when the Muslims were continuing upon the plan of the Prophet ﷺ. The way that the Prophet ﷺ had organized them and put the archers on the small mountain. They carried on in that way and they defeated the mushrikeen. They were victorious over the mushrikeen initially. وَشَرَعُوا يَجْمَعُونَ الْغَنَائِمِ So they began to collect the war booty. فَلَمَّا رَآهُمُ الرُّمَاهِ فَلَمَّا رَآهُمُ الرُّمَاهِ So when the archers from above saw that the Muslims have won, the mushrikeen are defeated, they finished, and the Muslims are now gathering the war booty that's left. فَلَمَّا رَآهُمُ الرُّمَاهِ الَّذِينَ عَلَى الْجَبَلِ ظَنُّوا أَنَّ الْمَعْرَكَ انْتَهَتْ They thought that's it, the battle is finished. When they saw that the Muslims are victorious and they are collecting the war booty now, the mushrikeen have been defeated. They thought that's it, the battle has finished. فَقَالُوا نَنْزِلْ نُصَاعِدِ إِخْوَانَنَا عَلَى جَمْعِ الْغَنَائِمِ They said, we should go down now. We should go down from here now, the battle is finished. Let's go and help the Muslims to collect the war booty. فَقَالَ لَهُمْ قَائِدُهُمْ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنْ جُبَيْرِ رضي الله عنه But their leader, who had been appointed, appointed in charge, he said to them, Abdullah ibn Jubair radiallahu anhu, La tanzilu, do not go down. لِأَنَّ الرَّسُولَ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم قَالَ لَنَا لَا تَتْرُكُ الْجَبَلِ Because the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi has said to us, Do not leave this mountain, do not leave your positions. That was the instructions they had been given by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Do not leave your positions whatever happens. Whether we are victorious or we are defeated, you stay here and you protect our backs and those other angles with your archery. That was the order that they were given. So Abdullah ibn Jubair radiallahu anhu reminded them, this is the order that we've been given to stay here. However, they did not agree with that. They opposed their leader who was in charge of them on top of the mountain, they said, look, it's finished. The Muslims are collecting the war booty, the, the battle is over. So they descended and they went down. 
So when Khalid ibn al-Walid saw that the archers have gone down, so that section, that angle was now empty. There was nobody guarding that side. He saw that that side, that side is now empty and there are no archers. There is nobody to protect that side. Khalid ibn al-Walid of course at this time was not Muslim yet. Khalid ibn al-Walid yet at this time in the battle of Uhud when this occurred he was not Muslim yet he was with the mushrikeen at that time so when he saw that the archers of the Muslims have gone down فَلَمَّا رَأَى خَالِدِ بْنِ الْوَلِيدِ وَكَانَ يَوْمَ ذَاكَ مُشْرِكًا لَمَّا رَأَى الْجَبَ الْفَرَغِ when he saw that the mountain is now empty there are no more archers there وَهُوَ كَانَ مِنَ الشُجَعَانِ he was from the bold and brave people in battle Khalid ibn walid was known as one of the courageous men in battle. He realized as the way he was a brave warrior in battle. He saw that the archers have gone down. He saw an opportunity. He saw that there's an opportunity we can go from behind from this side now. Because the archers are no longer there to stop us firing at us when we go in. So he turned around with the group that he had with him, some of the fighters they had with him at that time. He turned around and came back. So then Khalid ibn walid when he saw that opportunity, he turned around with the men that he had with him, and they came back around again from that angle where he could now get in, there were no archers, and the battle began again, they attacked again. They attacked again, and the battle began again, and the armies, they mixed in again, the kuffar, the Muslims, and the battle began once again. And that was when the... The difficulty occurred to the Muslims. That was when the difficulty then occurred to the Muslims. When the mushrikeen turned around and they came back, then this difficulty occurred to the Muslims. The punishment occurred to them when the mushrikeen came back and attacked as a consequence of them having disobeyed, not followed the order through to the end. Having seen that it's finished, they decided to just come down. Whereas the instruction had been just stay there. But they thought it's over, we're collecting the war booty, it's done, we can go down. So as a consequence of doing that, this occurred, that the mushrikeen came back again and they attacked them again. And the Prophet when this battle started again, that's when he was hit in the head also. He was injured in the head also at that time in the face. It's mentioned about how his helmet, he was hit upon the helmet, and the two types of, uh, as you've seen the helmets that they, the warriors, they used to wear in battle with the metal pieces and the helmet, that he was hit on that helmet and these metal pieces they hit into his face, that some of his teeth were broken. Some of his teeth were broken as the helmet, it crushed onto his face from being uh, attacked and hit from whichever angle, that the helmet then 
hit his face or pushed into the face and some of the teeth they broke. Kusirat ruba'iyatu. That his tooth it broke. وَوَقَعَ فِي حُفْرَةِ وَأَشَاعَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا قُدْ قُتِلْ And the Prophet ﷺ, when this occurred, he fell down into like a, a hole, or there was like a pit, and he fell down into that as he was hit. So then, the news spread, the mushrikeen started to spread, Muhammad ﷺ has been killed. The news began to spread then, the mushrikeen started to say, we've killed Muhammad ﷺ. When they saw him being hit and falling down, they said, that's it, we've killed Muhammad ﷺ. فَلَمَّا أَشَاعَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ هَذِهِ شَائِعَةً وَصَاحَ الشَّيْطَانُ بِذَلِكَ So when the mushrikeen started to spread this news everywhere, that we've got Muhammad sallallahu we've killed the Prophet sallallahu and the shaytan, he further exacerbated that. حَصَلَ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ مُصِيبَةً أَكْبَرْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةِ الْقَتْلِ كُلُّ هَذَا بِسَبِبِ مَعْصِيَةً So this brought about a great calamity for the Muslims. Who were now hearing this news that the Prophet ﷺ has been killed? A great calamity upon them when they heard this and this news was spreading. So then, a Shaykh Al Fawzan he says, "Unzuru ya ibad Allah, ma'asiya wahida wa laysat min al jamia, inna ma hiya min baad al sahaba hasla bi sababha hadi al uqub ala khair al khalq." The Shaykh says, "Look at this one sin, one thing that they went against. They were told to stay." But when they saw that it's over, they decided it's okay, we can go down. So they went against what they were told to do in that one occasion. Because of that one thing, which didn't happen from all of them, it was just a group of them who decided to do that. As a consequence, look at what occurred. How the mushrikeen, they then came back and they attacked again and the Prophet ﷺ was injured as a consequence. News started spreading that the Prophet ﷺ has been killed. All of that because they disobeyed and they didn't stay on the mountain as they were told to stay there. The Shaykh says, Therefore, what about us? فَكَيْفَ مِنَا نَحْنُ وَنَحْنُ نَرْتَكِبُ مِنَ الْمَعَاصِ وَالْمُخَالَفَاتَ شَيْءٍ كَثِيرٍ The Shaykh says, what about us now? We do so many sins. So many sins. This was just one error they made. One error and as a consequence all of that happened. What about us? The Shaykh says, now look at yourselves. How many errors we make day in and day out. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ فَهَذَا فِيهِ خُطُورَةُ الْمَعَاصِي وَمُخَالَفَةُ أَمْرِ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ This therefore indicates to you the danger of sinning. That this was one error they made. And look what happened, the mushrikeen came back and they attacked again and some of the Muslims were killed and the Prophet was injured. All of that because of one error of coming down when they were told to stay. The Shaykh says, what about us now? Look at how many errors we commit. Do you not fear that calamity may overcome you as well? So many errors that you commit and the calamity may overcome you. This was just one error, let alone the multiple errors that we commit. So the Shaykh says, this shows to you how dangerous it is to oppose the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, to oppose the commandments of the Prophet ﷺ. One error here brought about all of this calamity. What about the multiple hundreds of errors that we make? But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ عَفَا عَنْكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did forgive them. He forgave them and what occurred from them and this error that occurred at that time, He forgave them and Allah mentions this in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ عَفَا عَنْكُمْ That indeed Allah has forgiven you for that. But it mentions here, شُجَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى الْعِسَلَّمْ The fact that the Prophet ﷺ was injured. That he was hit upon the head, on the face, and the tooth it broke. 
هذا دليل على أن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يملك لنفسه ضرا ولا نفعا فلا تجوز عبادته This is one of the proofs that indicates that the Prophet ﷺ is not as what some of the people of innovation say, that he knew the unseen. He was made out of light, he knew the unseen, he knew all of these things. It wasn't the case. If the Prophet ﷺ knew the unseen, he would have been able to move out of the way and not be hit. This indicates that the Prophet ﷺ didn't have knowledge of the unseen. And that's why in the other ayah the Prophet ﷺ says, لَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ لَسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَمَا مَسْتَنِ يَسْلُوا If I knew the unseen, then I would have done much good, and no harm would have come to me if I knew the unseen. So the Prophet ﷺ doesn't know the unseen, he wasn't made out of light as the people they say, he didn't used to walk without a shadow as the people they say make all these claims. He was human, the prophets and messengers were human, but they were selected, the best of the humans selected for the revelation. But they were human in this way. They ate, they drank, they got married, they slept, all of those types of things. So here this indicates the Prophet ﷺ, you do not worship the Prophet ﷺ, you do not raise the Prophet ﷺ above the level of the prophethood. That he was a human selected by Allah, the best of all of the creation, no doubt. But we're not saying that he was above humans, that he was in any way made out of light, or he knew the unseen. So you are upon the balance in that affair. فَهَذَا مِنْ أَدِلَّةِ بُطْلَانِ الشِّرْكِ So this is from the evidences that nullifies shirk. أَنَّ الْمَخْلُوقَ وَإِنْ بَلَغَ مِنَ الْمَنْزِلَ الْعَالِيَةِ فَإِنَّهُ مَخْلُوقِ So no matter how level, how much a high level a person in creation can get to, like the Prophet ﷺ, the highest level, the best of creation. At the end of the day, that person, the Prophets and Messengers are still from the creation of Allah. No matter how high the levels are, and they are from the highest of the levels, the prophets and the messengers. But they are creation of Allah. We're not going to say that they have the powers and abilities of Allah. As some of the people, they began to say about Ali ibn Abi Talib, some of the Shia. They began to say that Ali ibn Abi Talib has powers of Allah in him. So Ali ibn Abi Talib, it's mentioned in the history books, he killed all of those people who said that about him. So the prophets and messengers are not like that. They are normal in this way, but they are the best of the people given that revelation, chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they are not deserving of worship. لَا يَسْتَحِقُّ شَيْئًا مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ فَأَشْرَفُ الْخَلْقِ مُحَمَّدِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَقَعَ عَلَيْهِ الضَّرَرِ وَجُرِحْ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّهُ لَا تَجُوزُ عِبَادَتُهُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ so therefore this indicates the fact that the Prophet ﷺ was injured. He doesn't know the unseen, he can't avoid all of that harm. It harm came to him that day there. This indicates that he is not deserving of worship. We do not worship the Prophet ﷺ. Rather we follow him and we follow the commandments and we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. That therefore means everybody else besides the Prophet ﷺ cannot possibly be deserving of worship. If we do not worship the Prophet ﷺ, then surely and obviously you cannot worship anyone else from creation besides the Prophet ﷺ. Anybody you say is such an awliya from the uh, wali from the awliya of Allah, he's such a great man, he was a great imam, he's never going to get to the level of the Prophet ﷺ. So if you can't worship the Prophet ﷺ, you can't worship anybody else. You can't go to their graves and make dua to them and ask them to help you and uh, take your dua to Allah and whatever else. Then, 
In another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, قُلْ لَا أَمْلِكُ لِنَفْسِي نَفْعًا وَلَا ضَرًّا إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ لَاسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَمَا مَسَّنِ يَسُوءُ إِنْ أَنَا إِلَّا نَذِيرٌ وَبَشِيرٌ لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ So here Allah says, say that I do not control for myself harm, a good or harm, except for that which Allah wills. And I do not know, or if I did know the unseen, then I would have done much good and no harm would have come to me. Indeed, I am only a warner and a bringer of glad tidings to the uh, believers. That I am a bringer of glad tidings and a warner to the people. I am not above that, not to be worshipped. وَلَمَّا شُجَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَوْمَ أُحُدٍ قَالْ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ كَيْفَ يُفْلِحُ قَوْمٌ شَجُّ نَبِيَّهُمْ how can a group of people ever be successful who harmed their Prophet? Istab'ada sallallahu alayhi wa sallam falahahum Wastab'ada istijabatahum lidda'wa Lianahum balagu min al-inad wa balagu min al-mashaqqa ila hadha al-had Fahaulai ba'idun an yistajibu Wa idha lam yistajibu falan yuflihu Walakinna Allah jalla wa ala ya'lam al-mustaqbal wa ma yakun فَعَاتَبَهُ وَقَالْ لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ أَوْ يَتُوبَ عَلَيْهِمْ أَوْ يُعَذِّبَهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ ظَالِمُونَ So the Prophet said, How can it be that this group of people could ever be successful? They harmed their Prophet. They injured their Prophet. How could they ever be successful? But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an, لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ This affair is not in your control. This affair is not in your control. لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ Maybe they may be forgiven. Or maybe Allah may punish them. This affair is not in your control. هَذَا دَلِيلٌ آخَرٌ عَلَىٰ عَدَمِ اسْتِحْقَاقِهِ لِشَيْءٍ مِنْ الْعِبَادَةِ الْأَمْرُ فِي هَذَا الْكَوْنِ وَالتَّدْبِيرِ لِلَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ وَإِنَّمَا الرَّسُولُ سَلَّمُ بَلِّغٌ عَنِ اللَّهِ this is another proof that the Prophet ﷺ is not the one that you worship. Because here Allah says, all of this affair is in the control of Allah. Who will be successful, who will not, etc. All those affairs are in the control of Allah. Not in the control of anybody else, not the Prophet or the messengers even. The Prophet ﷺ is simply the one who conveys the message that Allah gave to him. The revelation that Allah gave to him, the Prophet ﷺ conveys that revelation to the people. He is not the one who controls the earth, controls the universe, controls what occurs, controls the decree. Rather, that is only Allah who does that. And that's why Allah said in the Quran, Ala lahu al-khalq wal-amr, tabarakallahu rabbul alameen. That indeed to Allah is the creation and all of the command, all of the control. Qul inna al-amra kullahu lillah. In another ayah say that all of the control of the affairs is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here when Allah says, لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ لَا أَمْرُ النَّصْرِ وَلَا أَمْرُ الْهَزِيمَةِ وَلَا أَمْرُ التَّوْبَةِ وَلَا أَمْرُ الْفَلَاحِ وَلَا أَمْرُ الدُّخُولِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ وَالْهِدَايَةِ وَإِنَّمَا كُلُّ هَذَا بِيَدِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى أَنْتَ لَيْسَ عَلَيْكَ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغِ so then Allah mentions in this ayah, لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ That you do not have any affair with that. Who will be victorious? Who will be defeated? Who will uh, make tawbah? Who will be successful? Who will enter into Islam and be guided? All of these types of things, they are in the control of Allah. They are not in the control of even the Prophet 
The Prophet ﷺ simply gives the guidance to the people, tells them the revelation, tells them what is truth, what is sunnah, what is tawheed, warns them against shirk and all of those affairs. But how many people and who will accept, that is not in the control of the Prophet ﷺ. That guidance comes from Allah to the hearts of the people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, all of this is in the control of Allah upon you, is simply to preach that and to convey the message to them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whom He guides. Uh, Allah says in the Quran, there is nothing upon you except to convey. You convey the message to them, show them, tell them the tawheed, the shirk. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who guides uh, after that. Then we have another hadith عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أنه سمع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إذا رفع رأسه من الركوع في ركعة الأخيرة من الفجر اللهم لعن فلانا وفلانا بعدما يقول سمع الله لمن حمد ربنا ولك الحمد فأنزل الله ليس لك من الأمر شيء In this hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar the hadith which is in Sahih Muslim Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, he says that he heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying after he got up from the ruku' and he said Sami'ullahu liman hamida rabbana wa lakal hamd then after that he says I heard the Prophet sallallahu saying Oh Allah curse such and such by name Oh Allah curse such and such by name and this was a dua that the Prophet ﷺ was making against particular people. Making this dua in the final raka'ah when coming out from the ruku' after saying, Sami'ullahu liman hamida rabbana wa lakal hamd. Then the Prophet ﷺ made a quick dua against certain people. Oh Allah, curse this one. Oh Allah, curse that one. فَيَدْعُوا الرَّسُولُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ عَلَىٰ فُلَانَ وَفُلَانَ أَنْ يَطْرِدَهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ رَحْمَتِهِ بِسَبَبْ أَنَّهُمْ أَلَّبُّوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَجَاءُوا لِحَرْبِ الرَّسُولِ So the Prophet ﷺ was making dua against certain individuals because they were the ones who uh, incited the mushrikeen. These were certain individuals who had incited the mushrikeen and gathered them and uh, given them this uh, idea and thought to come and attack the Muslims and they had caused this uh, calamity for the Muslims. So he was making dua against these particular individuals by name. Allah cursed this one, or Allah cursed that one, or Allah cursed that one. But when this occurred, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah, لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ That this affair is not in your control. These affairs are not in your control. Again, this was mentioned to the Prophet ﷺ in this ayah. فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى مَشْرُعِيَّةِ الْقُنُوتِ فِي صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ عِنْدَ النَّوَازِلِ عِنْدَمَا تَنْزِلُ بِالْمُسْلِمِينَ نَازِلَ مِنْ مُدَاهَمَةِ عَدُوْ أَوْ حُسُولِ بِالْبَلَاءِ فِيهِ خُطُورَ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَإِنَّهُمْ يُشْرِعُ لَهُمْ أَنْ يَقْنُتُوا فِي صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ بِمَعْنَى أَنَّهُمْ يَدْعُونَ فِي صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ لِرَفْعِ هَذَا الْبَلَاءِ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِمْ This hadith indicates that it is permissible to make the qunut because that's essentially what this was. This was essentially the Prophet ﷺ making the qunut. Making the dua after the raka'ah. And that can be made at times when there is calamity upon the Muslims. Uh, that is possible to make that. It is from the sunnah, it is allowed. So here the Prophet ﷺ was making this dua against certain people. And in some narrations it mentions the names of who those people were. It mentions, fi riwayah, yad'u ala. He was making the dua against Safwan ibn Umayyah. Safwan ibn Umayyah. 
Suhail ibn Amr and Al-Harith ibn Hisham. فَنَزَلَتْ لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ That you do not have any affair within your control. So these are the people that this narration says the Prophet ﷺ is making the dua against. أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ بِهِمْ هَؤُلَاءَ الْأَشْخَاصِ لِأَنَّهُمْ مِنْ قَادَةِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ يَوْمَ أُحَدْ مَعَا أَبِي سُفْيَانِ Because these three, Safwan ibn Umayyah, Suhail ibn Amr, Al-Harith ibn Hisham, they were from the leaders of the mushrikeen attacking the Muslims on the battle of Uhud with Abu Sufyan. وَكَانَ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ يَدْعُوا عَلَيْهِمْ لِمَا وَقَعَ مِنْهُمْ And so the Prophet was making dua against these three because of what they did, helping the mushrikeen to attack the Muslims that day. لَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مِنْ حَالِ هَؤُلَاءِ وَمَا يَأُولُ إِلَيْهِ أَمْرُهُمْ وَمَا لَا يَعْلَمُهُ رَسَلَ سَلَّمْ But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what's going to happen to the people and what their end result will be. And so when the Prophet ﷺ was saying, oh Allah, curse these people, meaning remove them from your mercy and distance them and separate them and uh, get rid of them. But the ayah said, لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ This is not in your control, this is not your affair. Because what actually happened afterwards, فَإِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ تَابَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَسْلَمُوا وَحَسُنَ إِسْلَامُهُمْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ كُلُّهُمْ These three afterwards, Safwan ibn Umayyah, Suhail ibn Amr al-Harith ibn Hisham, afterwards, they all became Muslims in fact. On the battle of Uhud, they were with the mushrikeen, planning as the main leaders, with Abu Sufyan against the Muslims. And the Prophet made dua against them, because of what they did in the planning, and attacking the Muslims that day. But afterwards what happened? All three of these became Muslims. They all became Muslims and their Islam was good. They were good Muslims afterwards. وَلَمَّا ارْتَدَّ النَّاسُ بَعْدَ وَفَاتِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَقَفَ سُهَيْلِ بْنُ عَمْرِ خَطِيبًا فِي أَهْلِ مَكَّةِ يُثَبِّتُهُمْ عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ Suhail ibn Amr in fact, after the Prophet died and some of the people began to apostate, some of the people... They began to apostate. Suhail ibn Amr, he stood up in Makkah and he gave them a sermon, like a khutbah. He spoke to them all to keep them firm upon their religion. وَقَالَ لَهُمْ يَا أَهْلَ مَكَّةَ لَا تَكُونُ آخِرَ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَأَوَّلُ مَنْ اِرْتَدَّ He said to them, O people of Makkah, do not be the last of the people who entered into Islam and the first ones who exit from it. The people of Makkah, after the conquering of Makkah in the eighth year of Hijrah, they became Muslims. Some of these people now, they became Muslims late on, just before the death of the Prophet ﷺ. So he said to them, O people of Makkah, don't be the last ones who became Muslims and the first ones who go on apostate. Don't be from those people who leave Islam. فَثَبَتَ أَهْلُ مَكَّةَ عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ So the people of Makkah, they were encouraged by this, they understood and they remained upon Islam and they removed those doubts that they had. وَلَمْ يَرْتَدُّ بِسَبَبِ هَذَا الرَّجُلِ الَّذِي جَعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرٍ so they did not apostate in the end because of these, uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did for them in the encouragement through Suhail ibn Amr. فَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانَ مَهْمَا بَلَغَ مِنَ الضَّلَالِ وَمَهْمَا بَلَغَ مِنَ الْكُفْرِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسُ مِنْ هِدَايَتِهِ لِأَنَّ الْقُلُوبَ بِيَدِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ This the shaykh says therefore proves to you that no matter how misguided a person may be, no matter how much disbelief a person might be on. Look at these people. They were the leaders of the army of the mushrikeen, planning and attacking the Muslims on that day. Then they all became Muslims afterwards, and they were good Muslims afterwards. 
So the Shaykh says, no matter how much a person may be a disbeliever in opposition to Islam, misguided, you don't know. The hearts of the people are in control by Allah. Maybe that person 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later becomes a Muslim and he preaches Islam and he teaches Islam. So we don't know the hearts of the people, no matter how much somebody might be on misguidance, you never know that it could be the decree this person later in his life becomes Muslim. وَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ لَا يَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ This is also a proof that nobody knows the unseen except Allah. The Prophet ﷺ couldn't possibly have known the unseen, because if he did, he would have known that these three were going to become Muslims in the future, and he wouldn't have made the dua against them. That clearly shows that he didn't know in the future they were going to become Muslims. At that time, they were from the mushrikeen, planning and attacking the Muslims on that day. So he made dua against them. He didn't know that in the future they would become Muslims. So he didn't know the unseen. This is a clear proof again. وَلِهَذَا مِنْ عَقِيدَةِ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ أَنَّهُمْ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ لِأَحَدٍ بِجَنَّةِ وَلَا نَارِ إِلَّا مَا شَهِدَ لَهُ رَسُولَ سَلَّمْ This is why it is from the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah that we do not testify to anybody being from the people of paradise or being from the people of hellfire except for those whom the Prophet ﷺ has testified for. The ones who the Prophet ﷺ has testified that these people such and such are definitely from the people of paradise, then we testify that those people are definitely from the people of paradise. As for the ones who the Prophet ﷺ didn't mention their names, then we can't say for definite such and such a person, he's shaheed, he's definitely in paradise. Such and such a person, he's definitely in paradise. We can't do that. You can't say even for somebody was so evil, he's certainly in the hellfire. Maybe somebody towards the end of his life, he changed. Except if you know that a person died upon kufr, a person who died upon kufr and you are certain of that, then you know he's a kafir, he died upon kufr. But otherwise, you can't say this person is so evil, he's definitely going to go to hellfire. Maybe before he dies at the end of his life, he becomes a Muslim. So you can't make these judgments upon people like that, you can't make these types of statements. فَهَؤُلَاءِ أَسْلَمُوا وَحَسُنَ إِسْلَامُهُمْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَنْهُمْ مَعَا أَنَّهُ آذَوْا أَنَّهُمْ آذَوْا الرَّسُولُ وَقَاتَلُوهُ وَآذُوا الْمُسْلِمِينَ لَكِنَّ مَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِمْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِالْهِدَايَةِ So these people, they were in opposition to the Prophet ﷺ, they attacked the Prophet ﷺ, they harmed the Muslims, yet later on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that they would accept Islam. فالحاصل أن هذه الآية الكريمة وما جاء في سبب نزولها فيها دليل على بطلان الشرك لأن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ومعه سادة المهاجرين والأنصار حصل عليهم من الضرر والهزيمة في وقعة أحد ما حصل وهم سادات الأولياء فدل على أنه لا يجوز تعلق بغير الله سبحانه وتعالى لأن هؤلاء لم يستطيعوا الدفع عن أنفسهم فكيف يدفعون عن غيرهم؟ لِأَنَّ الْمَخْلُوقَ مَهْمَا كَانَ فَإِنَّهُ مَخْلُوقَ وَهُوَ فَقِيرٌ إِلَى اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ This ayah therefore proves that the creation, anybody in creation, they cannot be worshipped. They do not have the ability to even defend themselves, to protect themselves, let alone others. Here, the great companions, the great companions, the Prophet ﷺ and the great companions, they were harmed by the mushrikeen that day. They were killed, some of them. The Prophet was injured. So this shows that even the greatest of the people, they do not have this ability to control the affairs of the universe. So they cannot be worshipped. Our worship can only be directed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Everybody in creation is in poverty in front of Allah. We are all in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then similarly, وَفِيهِ يعني في صحيح البخاري عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قام فينا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حين أنزل عليه وأنذر عشيرتك الأقربين أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه Abu Huraira was his kunya. As for his name, there is a difference of opinion regarding what his name was. There are many opinions. Abu Huraira ishtahra bi kunyatih. Amma smuhu fakhtalafa fihi al-ulama ala aqwalin kathira. Asahuha annahu Abdurrahman ibn Sakhar al-Dawsi. Min qabilat Dawus al-Mashhura. Qadima ala Nabi Sallam wa ala na Islamah. Wa lazama Nabi Sallam wa lazama tamah. يَرْوِي عَنْهُ الْأَحَادِيثِ وَاهْتَمَّ بِذَلِكَ اَحْتَمَامًا عَظِيمًا So Abu Huraira came and he accepted Islam and then he stuck with the Prophet ﷺ and he narrated many ahadith from the Prophet ﷺ and he became the most narrations from Abu Huraira. Oh, how many narrations did Abu Huraira narrate? He narrated the most narrations from the companions but how many narrations did he narrate? How many narrations did Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrate? You always hear the hadith, hadith of Abu Huraira, the hadith of Abu Huraira. How many hadith that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrated? So that's the homework. The homework is to find out how many hadith did Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrate? So, that's one answer. Everybody else can research and check. And next week we'll give the answer. So, 5,000 is one possibility somebody has mentioned now. So go home and research, check, do your homework. Is it 5,000? Is it less? Is it more? And next week we'll give the answer of how many Abu Huraira narrated inshallah ta'ala. وَقَدْ تَعَجَّبَ بَعْضُ الْجُهَّالِ فِي هَذَا الْعَصَرِ some of the uh, ignorant people in our time, the Sheikh says, they are amazed by this. Uh, they are amazed by the number of hadith that Abu Huraira narrated. They say, how can it be that he narrated so many hadith? How can it be that he memorized so many hadith and narrated them from the Prophet ﷺ? And they try to say that it can't be true, it can't be correct. And they try to do all of that so that they can reject the sunnah. But the reality is Abu Huraira, this great companion, narrated many narrations from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and many other companions too. So he says, قَامَ فِينَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa stood up amongst us one day. حِينَ أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ When this ayah was revealed to him, and go and warn uh, your closest of the people. أَمَرَهُ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى أَنْ يُنْذِرَ عَشِيرَتَهُ الْأَقْرَبِينَ كَمَا أَمَرَهُ اللَّهُ so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet ﷺ to go and warn his, his clan's people, his tribe's people, as well as generally the people as a whole. So the message of the Prophet ﷺ we know was to all of mankind, to the jinn and the humans. But in this ayah particularly it mentions about going to the close ones too. So this indicates that a person must fulfill the rulings when they come. Here this ayah came to the Prophet ﷺ, go and warn the people. So as soon as the ayah came, the Prophet ﷺ went and stood up amongst them and began to 
give them these warnings and to lecture to them and to tell them. This indicates that a person does not waste time, but rather he goes and fulfills the commandment that is upon him. So here the Prophet ﷺ did that. And he said to them, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, O kalima nahwaha, Ishtaru anfusakum la ugni ankum min Allahi shay'ah. He said to them, O the Quraysh, the masses of the Quraysh, the people of Quraysh, all of you, Ishtaru anfusakum la ugni ankum min Allahi shay'ah. Ishtaru anfusakum ay iftaduha min adabillah. He said to them, save yourselves essentially, save yourselves, I cannot do anything for you. Save yourselves from the punishment of Allah, I am not going to be the one who can save you or help you. Save yourselves from the punishment of Allah. اشتروا أنفسكم أي افتدوها من عذاب الله أنقذوها من عذاب الله بماذا يشترون أنفسهم؟ يشترون أنفسهم بالدخول في الإسلام وتوحيد الله عز وجل. How are they going to save themselves? How are they going to buy themselves, save themselves from the punishment of Allah by entering into Islam and by practicing the religion of Islam and by being upon Tawheed and worshiping Allah alone? هذا هو الذي يشترون به أنفسهم فافتداء الإنسان نفسه من النار إنما يكون بطاعة الله. So a person who wants to save himself from the fire. That is through Tawheed and worship and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Prophet said to them, لا أغني عنكم من الله شيئا. I cannot benefit you. I cannot benefit you. I'm not the one who's going to enter you into paradise. You have to do that worship for yourself. You have to do that obedience for yourself. لا ينفعكم أني منكم. It will not benefit you that I, the final messenger, the chosen one, I am from your tribe, from your clan's people. That won't benefit you. You need to save yourselves through worship and obedience and tawheed to Allah. Not just rely upon and say, well, he, the messenger, the chosen one was from our people. Therefore, surely all of us will be saved by our closeness to him. He said, I will not benefit you in that way. You must save yourselves through worship and obedience to Allah upon tawheed. فَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَى بُطْلَانِ التَّعَلُّقِ عَلَى الْأَشْخَاصِ This therefore indicates the falsehood that people fall into, whereby they attach themselves to people. And they do this, don't they say out there, some of the Sufis etc, they say, my peer, my sheikh, he will get me into paradise. They say this. And these so-called sheikhs tell their students, do this, do that, and I will take you by the hand on the day of judgment and take you to paradise. They say that. Their so-called sheikhs, which are not sheikhs, obviously clearly can't be, if this is what they are telling them, and this is what they tell them. They say, follow me, do everything I tell you. On the day of judgment, I will take you all by the hand and take you into paradise. Here the Prophet says, I cannot take you into paradise. Do your own work. Do your own obedience. And how does the Sufi Imam come and say, I will take you by the hand and take you to paradise? Shows to you how the misguidance the people are on. They don't look at these hadith, these authentic narrations. The Prophet says, I can't take you into paradise. You need to do your own worship. You need to do your obedience. You need to be upon tawheed. The fact that I'm your relative or I'm from your lineage, that isn't going to save you. You must do your own worship, you must do your own uh, obedience and tawheed to Allah. Then, the Prophet ﷺ says, Ya Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, la ugni anka min Allahi shay'a. He says, Oh Abbas, who was Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, he says, Oh Abbas, the son of Abdul Muttalib, I cannot save you. I can't do anything to protect you. 
Even Abbas, his own blood uncle, he says, I can't save you, I can't protect you, I can't give you anything from Allah. Rather, you must again, upon your own worship, upon your own obedience. So he says, Ya Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, La ugni anka min Allahi shay'a. Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, Ammar Rasulullah fa idha kana la yugni an ammihi shay'an, fa kayfa yugni an ghayrih. So if the Prophet can't do anything for his own uncle, then how is he going to do anything for the rest of us? And that is a great proof against the people who go to the grave of the Prophet asking for dua, asking for intercession. Oh Messenger of Allah, help us, take us, mention us, give us intercession, give us paradise. The Prophet says to his own blood uncle, Ya Abbas, I can't do this for you. I'm not the one who's going to do that for you. You must do your worship. You must be upon the obedience to Allah, upon Tawheed. Ya Safiya. عمت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا أغني عنك من الله شيئا then he says يا صفية صفية who was the auntie of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he says you I cannot do anything for you you the auntie of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم I cannot help you I can't take you my lineage my closeness to you I'm your nephew that isn't going to protect you relations or relatives this isn't going to save you on the day of judgment rather your worship and your obedience will so then the Prophet says also, Ya Fatima bint Muhammad, Salini min mali ma shi'ti, la ugni anki min Allahi shay'a. Then he says, Oh Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad, Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad, ask me whatever you want, from wealth and money, whatever I can give you, of those things I can give you. As for protection from the fire, and entering into paradise, that I can't. He says, Fatima, the daughter Ask me for whatever money and these things, whatever I can give, I can give. But protecting you from the fire, entering you into paradise, that is not what I can do for you. Even his own daughter. So he says all of this, his relations, his close ones, his daughter, his uncle, his auntie. The Prophet ﷺ says, it is not I who will be able to take you into paradise. It is upon you individually to do your worship and your obedience. This again indicates the falsehood of some of the people who rely on others, rely upon their imam, rely upon their shaykh, upon their peer, or whatever they call it. How can that be when the Prophet ﷺ himself says, his own daughter, he cannot guarantee her paradise. His own uncle, his own auntie, he cannot guarantee them paradise. He can't guarantee them paradise, he can't take them there. His closeness, his relations to them won't save them. The only thing that will save a person is... That a person is upon the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a person does his worship for the sake of Allah. He is upon tawheed. Meaning that every type of worship that he does, he does all of that worship for the sake of Allah. He doesn't rely upon other people. He doesn't be like the Sufis who say, we'll take you to paradise when you die. Do whatever I tell you, I'll take you to paradise. The Prophet says, he can't even take his own daughter, his own uncle, his own auntie to paradise. He can't save his own family from the hellfire. It's up to them to do their worship and to be upon Tawheed and to make the dua to Allah. So every person needs to be upon that obedience and worship to Allah, not to rely upon other people, to have trust and dependence in other people, thinking that your Sufi Shaykh is going to save you and take you to paradise. You must do your worship, you must be upon Tawheed, and you must abandon shirk yourself, your own actions. It's not going to be your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters who are pious, and you think I'll be saved as well because all my family is pious. You as an individual will be held accountable for what you do. 
So you as an individual need to prepare and make sure that you are upon worship and obedience and tawheed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the end of that chapter. Next time, we'll begin with the new chapter which talks about the revelation. When the revelation comes from the heavens, the angels, they hear the revelation. And what happens? What happens when they hear the revelation in the heavens? That is inshallah ta'ala what we'll discuss next time, next week at 8 p.m. And we'll conclude upon that today.